Curtin Cade Mornings, not just on the radio. It's a podcast, too. We are smack dab in the middle of our Hope for Kids campaign. We are trying to do what we can to uh, help out the uh, ministries that are assisting foster care kids and their families. This is very important. In the name of Jesus. That's the thing. It's so important for us to to highlight that because as, as believers, we can help folks out, uh, and we should, uh, with temporary needs. But if we don't give them the gospel, you know, then we're not giving them everything. You know, why are you helping me? Because we love Jesus, and we want you to know that Jesus loves you and that he died for your sins. So the gospel is presented. So it's near and dear to our hearts, obviously. But uh, One More Child is doing such great work. They're based here in Lakeland. We are at their company ministry headquarters, and we're we're basically uh, highlighting what they do. Maybe you've never heard of them before. And Jody uh, Domang, she's the executive director of uh, the anti-trafficking arm of what goes on here, which is kind of tied in with foster kids and foster care in a way. Everything's interconnected here at the ministry. Hi, Jody. How are you? Good morning. How are you? I'm doing, doing well. Great. Welcome. How did you end up here uh, at the ministry itself? How did how did that happen? So about 10 years ago, I was working for the state of Florida, Department of Children and Families, and started off doing child abuse investigations, had a lot of interactions with one more child because when children are removed and placed in foster care, we would frequently place them here at one more child. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, it was a very different experience than some of the other places we would take children to. I would frequently need to pick them up for court or doctor's appointments, Mm -hmm. or they would be returned to family and in more safe situations and they would always say I don't want to leave I don't want to go this place is just different Um, and then through um, the process of starting to do human trafficking investigations through the state you know we had some very critical cases as you can imagine Mm -hmm. with minors being trafficked and I tell you what the care that they provided those children the grace and understanding with their behaviors um, it was just different so when one more child announced that they were going to formally get into the work with some very strategic programming, I said, man, I got to be a part of this. So I came over to the ministry then. Ah, what, that's what great. Is, there's a connection among all these different, you might think of uh, trafficking as one thing and and foster care and, and needs, uh, just your basic meeting every need is different, but they are kind of tied together in a way, right? Oh, they're very tied together. And, and that's another thing I always like to point out. So one more child's been offering... Um, you know, the love of Christ and care to vulnerable children since 1904. Well, human trafficking has been here since 1904 and before. So we have been taking care of this population for many, many years. And there's a very close correlation with our foster children, all of our vulnerable youth, which includes youth who are in single parent homes, um, youth who have uh, issues meeting basic needs like food and hunger, um, youth that are in families that the, the family unit, there's something wrong with their their unit. Um, all of those things make children vulnerable to trafficking. So in a way, all of the work that we do um, works together to prevent human trafficking. And then unfortunately, when it does happen, we have our specialized teams that can step in and offer the love of Christ at that moment for those children as well. Wow. You know, we, we probably, because we've talked about it on the show, mm-hmm. we know that human trafficking is a very big issue. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about human trafficking in our own backyard here. What are some of the stats that we have, you know, in terms of 
how many kids, uh, you know, are trafficked and, and all of that. Do you have any stats? I do. Now, I will tell you, with human trafficking, stats are very, very hard. Um, as yeah. you can imagine, with any yeah. type of victimization, it's very hard to figure out what the real numbers are. We actually call them dark numbers because we don't really know very clearly what the numbers are. We do know that um, there was over 51,000 calls to the National Human Trafficking Hotline um, in 2002, which is the last report that they had. Um, we do know know that there are thousands of investigations that are called in particularly in the state of Florida and all over the country. We know human trafficking has been reported in almost every city and every state across the country. And we know that's just the tip of the iceberg. We know this is a very underreported crime. Yeah. When it comes to foster care um, and the foster kids, do you like interacting with the families? I can tell. Mm-hmm. You love interacting with the kids themselves. Do you have a story maybe you want to share with us? I mean, that's always a tough question to ask or to answer because it's like, oh, I have so many cool stories. Which one am I going to choose? But I'm putting you on the spot. Do you have a story? I do. We have um, lots of stories, as you can imagine. We do a lot of work. So we do um, work very closely with foster families. Now, with our with my particular program that I work within with anti-trafficking, sometimes that's preventative. Sometimes that is when um, a foster, brave foster family has um, brought in a, a teen or, or young, uh, or I'm sorry, an older child into their home. And then they're starting to display some behaviors um, that make them vulnerable vulnerable to trafficking. And we've been able to step in, um, in those situations and offer education and wraparound support and prevent this child from being harmed and in a more, um, tragic way. We've also had foster families that have taken these children into their homes and provided families for them. Um, What kind of preparation do these families need to have really to invite, you know, to open their home to a foster, um, Child, child who's been trafficked. Just, you know, when you think about that, the baggage must be just almost overwhelming. It is. So first they need Jesus. Um, that's the most That's always thing. number one. That's always number one. They need a very strong um, support system spiritually. And then they have a support system through one more child. You know, Joe just pointed out that we have um, foster crews that wrap around families. We have an entire support system that's coming alongside those families. So we've been able to do that, for example, with, um, a, we're going to call her Sarah. We don't use a lot of the actual names right. of the people Obviously, that we work with. Sure. But we'll call her Sarah. And um, she she entered one of our, uh, well, she came into our care um, about uh, six years ago. Um, she was in a uh, program that we had. We were able to successfully transfer her out into a foster family um, who was um, extremely strong in the way that they cared for children, extremely compassionate with the love that they showed. Um, and then uh, she was able to successfully graduate high school. Um, she was adopted by this family and we were notified just a few months ago and able to attend her college graduation wow. so there you were a part of that we it's like part you're part of, of the family yeah, we are They're how cool is that mm-hmm. i love that thank you for taking some time to listen to this episode of the curtain cape mornings podcast we always welcome a review with your thoughts and comments and please feel free to subscribe and follow us as well what can what do people uh don't know about trafficking what do we not know that we need to be aware of i mean we know it's out there Mm -hmm. but it's not real to a lot of us Mm -hmm. what what don't we understand 
That is such a great question, Kate. I think the number one thing I, I tell people a lot is it's not what it is depicted on movies or TV shows. And, and a lot of times, unfortunately, we perpetuate these myths. You'll mm-hmm. see them on social media talking about cars being tagged or there's these myths that children are actually being kidnapped. And Kidnapping happens. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's horrific when it happens. But human trafficking, it is actually less than 1% of kidnappings. It is a very. Is that right? That is surprising. Wow. It is. It's a very small wow. percentage. The children that are being trafficked are vulnerable children. There are foster children, our children being raised in single parent homes, our children with broken family structures, our children with basic needs that aren't being met. And then we do a lot of uh, prevention and education because really any child that has. Uh, unguarded access to the internet um, who's looking to who has low self-esteem who's looking for that to be met through somebody all of those children are vulnerable as well yeah and it could happen while they're living with someone frequent we frequently have children who are attending school who have uh, parents in the home and they're being groomed by predators online or in their um, circle um, unfortunately, to be trapped in in this horrific cycle, yeah. So, how does it work when you are notified that a foster child actually has a background where they have been trafficked? What do you do? How does that work? So, our teams are multidisciplinary mobile teams who are very specialized in certain areas. They have expertise in certain areas that we know is critical to wrap around individuals who have been victimized in this way. So, we have individuals who really focus on advocacy, and advocacy is everything from immediate shelter, food, clothing, and then working our way to how are we breaking these cycles of exploitation? So, helping them get things like driver's license. I'm working on um, job applications, anything that would really empower them towards economic mobility in the future. We also have mentors. So this is a really unique aspect of our ministry. We have lived experience experts or individuals who have walked through their own um, trauma where they have been um, victimized in this type of way. And they really focus on helping build life skills. Because, you know, for you or I, um, picking up the phone and calling somewhere I applied to for a job or making a doctor's appointment, yeah, it's scary sometimes, but it's nowhere near as scary as if I've lived through that level of trauma. So they're able to partner with them in a very critical way to say, you know what, I've lived through it and I am hope. I I am life on the other side. I am living proof of what the love of Jesus Christ can do. Follow me. See, that's the key right there. You brought the gospel in. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just helping the kids. It's helping them in the name of Jesus. So how is the gospel shared and lived out? Uh, You know, within this whole scenario where these kids are just dealing with so many challenges, many of them probably have never heard Mm -hmm. the gospel before in their whole life. They've never heard a gospel presentation. So how do you share the gospel with them? So in all of those aspects, in every 
position that we have every time that we encounter. We are one modeling the love of Jesus Christ. We are bringing amazing programming, like I said, with the advocate, the mentor, and then we have trauma therapists who are are, are trained in evidence based modalities, and all of those things are great, right? That is right. the the tip of the spear as far as programming. But we know none of that matters if we're not bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ with us. Yeah. So we do a lot. We do a lot of modeling of what's safe love looks like of what we know that pure christ-like love looks like and then we are communicating in those opportunities of why we do what we do who jesus is who god created you to be god didn't create you for this Mm -hmm. god created you for a greater purpose and so we are sharing that through every interaction that we have it must take uh, sometimes a while for them to trust you, though. They've mm-hmm. been abused so badly. They do. And and I always say we're playing the long game. Mm-hmm. So our, our services with our trafficking survivors, they are deep and they are long. So we have trafficking survivors we've worked with for three, four, five years. Mm-hmm. And we're now seeing the fruit of, okay, now they're symptoms of trauma are reducing. Now they're attending school regularly. Now they have regular jobs. They're really starting to see that hope and healing on the other side of this. But God's love is sustaining, right? It's mm-hmm. it's it's long. It's it's constant. So it's patient. It's patient. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So we are the example of that. We are called to be the example of that to the people that we're serving. Let me ask you this, and this is something that's somewhat personal. Mm-hmm. How do you keep from becoming discouraged because you have to keep your eye on the long game. Um, Because this is not an easy ministry. You know, this is challenging. And let's not forget their spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. How do you handle that aspect of what you do? Uh, That's a great question. I'm reminded daily how deep this can be. And I always joke that, you know, a lot of times my job is uh, scaring little old ladies at church luncheons because they want to learn more about trafficking. And then we start to talk about it and you realize, oh, yeah, this is really heavy stuff. We're just immersed in it. Um, But, you know, it is constantly staying in the word. Um, It is lifting every single individual that we're um, we have up to the Lord. It is understanding that no matter how dark this is, we are called to be salt and light on this earth and that darkness doesn't scare God. God doesn't fear it. He is called, he is the light in the darkness and we are called to be that as well. Um, It is a ministry that we are constantly reliant on him and we wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. That which causes me to, to depend more upon the Lord at the end of the day is a good thing. So I love the way that you kind of, you know, laid it out for us. You have to be in the word. I mean, this we talk about this all the time on the show. This is not a it's not a have to really, it's a get to and a want to, but it's it's necessary because truth leaks, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And and if you're in the trenches of ministry and you're really serving the Lord, if you don't replenish yourself and feed your soul, mm-hmm. you're going to be a sitting duck for the enemy. That's just reality, isn't it? It is. Yeah, so it's vitally important. So certainly all, everyone can pray for you and, and your ministry. Yes, that's What's good. another way uh, our listeners can uh, reach out and help you in this ministry? Now, I, I'm thinking 
not everybody could actually do it. Right. This <laughs> is know? one of those areas that yeah. not everyone can do it. Like you said, prayer is vitally important. Mm-hmm. Our team is in the trenches every yeah. single day. We're a very large team, and we actually cover um, throughout the state of Florida. We're in five judicial circuits. We're also in wow. um, Tennessee, North Carolina, and Ohio. We're a very large team doing this. Um, so that prayer is critically important for every individual interacting with this in all of those areas. Um, really education through prevention. Like we don't want to do this work anymore, right? We want an end to to human trafficking. Work your way out of a job. (laughs) Exactly. That is our goal every day. Work our way out of a job. Probably the only one, right, that on this earth that is that way. But um, so education. So going on to onemorechild.org, we have an amazing educational uh, series, Human Trafficking 101, where we really go into how to see it, how to spot it in your own communities, how to say it. You know, we say report things, but what does that mean? Who do you report it to? How do I report yeah. it? You know, I just have this feeling. I'm not sure I should report it. We, we have very in-depth um, education on that. And then how to stop it, how to prevent it from happening. So we are asking everyone, go and get this education and see what it really looks like. So partnering through us um, through that way. And then partnering with us by taking care of vulnerable populations. Like we said, our other aspects are foster care, our single moms, our hungry children, our children who need uh, family support. Those are the children that are being trafficked. So we need to come alongside and support those children to stop this from happening. Wow, that's great. So that's onemorechild.org if folks want to go directly to the website. But we have everything uh, kind of together for you in the Hope for Kids initiative that we have. And you'll find a link to uh, the website itself. If you text the word HOPE to 888-777-6810, you'll find all kinds of cool information there. That's 888-777-6810. Jody, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Curtain Gate Mornings Podcast. Please take a minute to follow, subscribe, and review us. And no matter where in the world you are, you can listen to us live from 6 to 9 a.m. weekdays on the Moody Radio app.